This is an ABC podcast. Hello, this is Coronacast, a daily podcast all about the coronavirus. I'm health reporter Tegan Taylor. And I'm physician and journalist Dr Norman Swan. It's Wednesday the 26th of May 2021. And Norman, it feels like we're living in deja vu land. We sort of, there's a new outbreak. Uh, we're contact tracing, we're finding more cases. And of course, this time we're still talking about Melbourne. And I'll just break down the, the chain of events as far as I know it so far, because it's a little bit confusing. So yesterday we talked about the fact that there was um, a guy and then it, it had spread to a couple of his close family members. And then yesterday we, we then found out that there had been another case uh, that they're calling case five, but it actually seems like this person might be the first, an earlier, an earlier case than those cases that had been identified the day before, and that this case five has seemingly um, spread it to a couple of their own close family members. Now, tell me, tell me what I've missed so far. Well, look, I, I think you can over inter- you can over analyze this, and obviously the Victorian authorities know you know, know the fine detail. But yeah, you, as we record this, and when, when people wake up in the morning. Uh, there may be more cases, so we'll just you know forgive us if we've missed a few. But as we record this, there are nine cases altogether, which sounds, oh, this is getting scary. But it's not necessarily getting scary because there seems to be a clear chain of transmission uh, amongst family members, household contacts. And yes, this fifth case does seem to be upstream or in time from these cases, and that may well, and probably the person who has infected the others. And you could say, well, this person's a super spreader, probably not yet to be determined when you see whether or not this person or anybody in this group has spread to other people in the community and the shops they've gone to, the swimming pool, uh, and the other areas that the locations of concern that have been issued by the um, Victorian authorities. Okay, so you're saying that even though nine seems like a big number, the fact that this cluster is contained to household groups makes that number a bit less scary. Yeah, the thing to remember here, and just it's useful to remind us about the coronavirus, is the coronavirus. This this virus does not spread evenly like say influenza does. It spreads in clusters. Most people who get infected don't pass it on to anybody else. Maybe 80% of, of people don't spread it on to anybody else. And it's maybe only 20%. It's maybe even an even smaller subset of that who, who spread it. And they spread it in clusters. And so that you, you get one person infected and they infect others. And then you get this mushroom cloud spreading from there unless you get it under control as they are in Victoria. And when you know upstream, earlier in time where it's come from, and you can track it down like this and actually find these cases, the numbers are actually less scary because you're now getting to the people who are likely to be infected. And then you go beyond them in first, second, third layers to see whether you can find anybody else who's been in contact with them. You're really getting it under control at that point because you're finding people, you're isolating them, they're quarantining, and what you want to happen is that they become positive in quarantine. The question still remains, and probably the real worry now, because I think you have to trust the the Victorian contact tracers, that they're just going to get out there and find all these people, put them in quarantine, and if they are infected, they'll become positive in quarantine. And you could end up with something like the Parafield Cluster, where you've got 30, 40 people infected, but they're not out in the community positive. The real concern is still what's now known as the fifth person, but probably should be called the first person, because as we speak, the Victorian authorities have not 
definitely linked this person to the man who came back from the South Australian hotel quarantine, who caught it in hotel quarantines. They seem to be pretty definite about that now. He didn't have it before he went in. He caught it in hotel quarantine is what they seem to be saying. Came back to Victoria. It's the same virus. In other words, it's the 617, probably 0.1 virus. So it's likely he caught it from that person, but they're not, they're not saying that's definitely the case as we go to the air. Okay, so there's lots of things that they're doing at the moment to try to keep this cluster under control. There's oh, These people are in quarantine. They're doing contact tracing, of course. There's uh, new restrictions that have come in. But in recent months, when there's been a new variant that has that there's been an outbreak of in other cities, we've seen lockdowns happen. Do you think that that's a trigger that they're going to pull in Melbourne as well? That's why case number one, what they're calling the fifth case, is actually really important because what's been the chain of transmission out there probably from the guy who came from South Australia, but not definitely, or there may have been a chain of transmission from that person to this person who then spread it into this household cluster now in the northern suburbs. That's the worry. So that's where you've got to do it. So they'll also, the contact tracers will also be going back in time and really hunting out as much as they can around there. And that's where the danger is. The danger is not any more, I suspect, in these nine cases. They're, they're going to be tracked down. Their contacts are going to be tracked down. What happened, you know, 7th, 8th, 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th May, you know, early May, mid-May, um, that could have spread out. And that's, that's the worry. And the only time I suspect they'd go to lockdown is if they're starting to find a chain of transmission in there that they can't explain. We're in such an enviable position in Australia where when there's a case that pops up like this or a cluster of cases that pops up like this, it's easy to focus on how the restrictions inconvenience us. But of course, we know that COVID, I mean, not only does it cost people their lives, but it also can cause really prolonged symptoms, long COVID, which is one of the things that I think a lot of people really fear about catching it. And there's a bit more information that's come out in the last few weeks or a few days rather about what can happen uh, when you get vaccinated after you have long COVID. Yeah, it's published in the Annals of Internal Medicine. And this is a small study from the UK where they're following people, you know, it's 163 people admitted to a single hospital in Britain. And they're followed up in terms of their post-COVID, their long COVID symptoms. And they subsequently received either Pfizer or the AstraZeneca vaccines. And then they were followed up after that because what they wanted to know was, did, did the vaccines make long COVID worse? Do they make it better? So to reassure people who've got long COVID, because if you've had, an infe- if you've had a COVID-19 infection, you do need to get immunised. You need to get a deeper immunity than the natural infection will give you. And bottom line, the good news in this study, although it's a very small study, is that people did not get worse. And in fact, that um, several symptoms got better. So it fits with some of the uh, circumstantial evidence from other parts of the world, which is that vaccination may in fact help you a bit, but certainly not make you worse if you've got long COVID. We had heard some anecdotal reports that people were sort of saying, oh, my symptoms disappeared within just days of getting vaccinated. And it's sort of, it's tempering that a little bit. And there were some symptoms that there were some people that reported that they did get worse, but not nearly as many as people reported got better. So overall, good news. And there's also news from the TGA, which is quite good news, Tegan. 
Yeah, that's right. So we know that Pfizer, it can be quite picky about the sorts of conditions that it likes to be transported in. It has to be transported at quite low temperatures and it has a shorter shelf life than some of the other vaccines that are around. But the Therapeutic Goods Administration has said that it can it can exist in more flexible storage conditions now. And so with additional testing, they've been able to sort of see what the threshold is. Now they can extend the storage period um, once it's sort of thawed. So it's around sort of two to eight degrees, like fridge temperature from it used to be five days now it's up to one month so that is going to have a really big impact on the ability to distribute it around Australia especially in those places that are outside the big metro areas where it, uh, keeping it at those very low temperatures for a long time has been quite tricky. And allowing GPs to administer Pfizer which is already happening in some jurisdictions. That's right. And so, Norman, some questions now from our audience. And of course, you, our audience, can ask us a question anytime by going to abc.net.au slash coronacast. And from WA is asking what information we have about whether the vaccine works in people with a blood disorder and has heard that it's useless in up to 50% in patients with blood disorders. I'm not sure which vaccine she's talking about. There, there has been some work on this. And the disturbing information is that People who've, who are on immune suppression for organ transplants get a very low uh, response to the Pfizer vaccine. I think most of them have had the Pfizer vaccine who've been studied overseas. So there, there is a serious issue for people who are organ recipients and um, because they are on very profound immune suppression. The French have suggested uh, the French have put in guidelines which say that such people should have three doses, but I don't think they've got a study yet to show what sort of response you get. So I think that's where the, where there's been most most study, but I think that you know there is a question mark over chemotherapy and cancer and other areas where you know that there's going to be a bit, a bit of immune suppression to see what the effect of vaccines are. But this is a group of people who will need a lot of attention and to get as much as they can, maybe mixing doses with Astra first, Pfizer second, because that, according to the British, at least at the moment on preliminary evidence, gives you a bigger immune response than Pfizer or Pfizer, two doses of Pfizer. We talked about that yesterday. So there's a lot of work to be done in this area. It's a really important issue. And a couple of uh, comments from our listeners who have been able to get a vaccine and they're very excited about it and want to share. Claire is in Epping or near Epping in Victoria, had her first vaccine today. And she says, you'll be pleased alongside the rest of Melbourne. The clinic was likely at full capacity, no empty chairs, the nurses getting through vaccines back to back without issue. Claire says it was reassuring to see the Melbourne northern suburbs turning out in force to be vaccinated, particularly the over 50 age group. Claire says it was a huge relief getting the vaccine on a personal note she just wanted to share. Thank you for sharing and there's nothing like cases in your suburb to um, make a difference. That's right. And then Marina's in Brisbane, uh, not over 50, but said she registered to get the jab on Saturday Arvo and got invited to book her appointment a couple of hours later. 37, no underlying health issues and will be vaxxed to Savo, or when she wrote, that's what she said. Same happened to my partner and lots of friends. Marina strongly advises anyone who thinks they are not eligible for a vaccine to register so that they can get the jab and be done and dusted with it. Absolutely. Well, that's all we've got time for today, but we'll catch you tomorrow. See you then. See you then. 